Just Go With It is a podcast hosted by two millennials who swear. And also, it's about horror films, so listener discretion is advised. We will put specific content warnings in the show notes. Boo! <laughs> I was quite distracted by bright colors. <laughs> Speaking of bright colors. But genuinely, though, this actually works. Speaking of bright colors. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you just had to grip it and rip it. I did. I tried to give you a warning with my eyebrows, but you were laughing. I was laughing. Speaking of bright colors. Yes. This movie had a lot of bright colors. It did indeed. <laughs> it was um, a feast for the eyes, <gasps> some would say. And some would also say a feast for the buys. You, I was literally going to say that in my notes, but you beat me to it. Well, because, because you said it before. I know. Yeah. And I have a reason to say it in my notes. Uh-huh. Something is a feast for the buys. Is it Ripley in her underwear? No, but that's also a feast yeah. for the buys. We'll talk about that. I have notes. <laughs> oh, we're covering Alien today. Oh! <laughs> if you couldn't tell by us fawning over Ripley in her underwear, yes, we're talking about Alien. I have qualms about the underwear. Oh, I do too. Thank you. Okay, mm-hmm. we'll get to it. And I'm not, it's not me saying I don't like Sigourney Weaver because oh. ooh, I love Sigourney Weaver. Mm-hmm. We'll get to it. <laughs> Let's talk about it. other notes first. So we're talking about Alien, uh, the first one, which it's so confusing. So it's Alien is the first and Aliens yeah. is the second. Plural is second. Got it. Yeah. Which that makes sense. Yeah. More Aliens. Yeah. More than one. One Alien, multiple Aliens. I get so it. many Aliens. But I truly was like, I kept having to double check when I rented the movie because I was like, is this it? Like, I was so scared. I would watch the sequel and then you and I would talk and I'd be like, do you not remember the part with like... It's like, I love the commentary in the military industrial right? complex. I was so worried that I would watch the wrong movie and you would be like, that didn't happen. And I'd be like, I don't know. I feel like you shouldn't pay attention. <laughs> but no. We just gaslight each other the whole time. I know. Alien 1979. Yes. So it was directed by Ridley Scott, who also did Blade Runner, Thelma and Louise, Gladiator, Black Hawk Down, The Martian. Lots of movies. Hmm. <laughs> so I I was mostly surprised by Thelma and Louise. Yeah, that one did surprise me right? a bit. Yeah. It stood out because the other ones are like action, sci-fi, you know, similar to Alien. And then they were like, and Thelma and Louise. <laughs> so, hell yeah. Uh, so it was written by Daniel Thomas O'Bannon. Uh, he wrote He wrote like mostly sci-fi films and action films. He was supposed to supervise the special effects for Dune. But it fell apart in 1976, which I think most people know, like, no, like, Dune was supposed to be a movie, like, a long time ago, and then it just completely fell apart and never actually made it anything. So that left him completely broke. He had, I guess, everything in that movie, and he he was completely broke. Uh, He was basically, like, jumping from friends' houses to friends' houses. He didn't, like, have a home or a house at that point. Um, So he ended up living with a friend, Ronald... Shuss it, and they wrote uh, Alien together, and that's what got him back on his feet. And like, oh, damn, okay. yeah. So he wrote it. Um, him and his friend came up with the concept together, and like wrote the basic story. He actually wrote like the script. Mm. So Shuss it was like this helped write the story and everything, but the actual script was written by him. Uh, and he also supervised uh, visuals. Ooh. Yeah, so I don't, he didn't, like, wasn't the cinematographer or anything, but was there to be, like, 
Good job. <laughs> I don't know what someone who does, me. who visualizes or vis. I don't know, guys. I'm just. He's just taking a chair, leaning back with like a cool rag over right? his forehead. He's like, oh, I'm supervising. And you're all doing a great job. <laughs> Except for you. Get out. You're fired. <laughs> they were like, there's no one there. Uh, okay. So he also did a few other things. Um, mostly he would like write things or supervise visuals or do like uh, photography. Not photography, but. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> This is one of those things where I'm not even going to try to guess. I'm just going to cut it out. Um, <laughs> so he did, specifically, he did a lot of writing. Then eventually he directed some movies. Guess what he directed? Legally Blonde 2. Oh, yes. <laughs> no, that'd be so funny, though. He directed Return of the Living Dead. Oh, yeah. okay. So he did, like, a few bigger movies. And I was like, hey, hell yeah, good for you, man. After the Dune incident? After Dune. Good for him. Pre-Dune, post-Dune. <laughs> <laughs> You would say his career was doomed. Oh, oh. <laughs> but it wasn't. It wasn't. It's fine. Cinematography was Derek Vinland. So uh, the cinematographer for this movie, he was, I wrote this down. And I got really excited. I was like, he won the Best Cinematography Award. No, he was nominated mm. for Best Cinematography for, um, I can't remember which, but it was like some award that they give out. And I was like, good for you. I thought he won, but he was only nominated. But don't worry. Here's a silver lining. Okay. Uh, so he started out doing a lot of commercials. Like, oh. you know, Pepsi and stuff like that. Um. <laughs> Did he direct the Jenner Pepsi commercial? <laughs> God, no. Oh, I've solved it. I've solved police brutality. <laughs> it was just, they just needed a Pepsi. Mm-hmm. Fucking stupid. That um. nice caffeine kick. <laughs> so he did a lot of commercials. He was supposed to work on Blade Runner. He just turned it down. An interesting choice. Um, I don't really know why. I don't know if he was just, like, too busy or if he wasn't interested in the project, but he was asked to do it and said no. Hmm. Uh, the way that they made the, um, ships and all of the stuff in the mm-hmm. movie and all the special effects was using, um, models, so scale models, oh. and they were composited onto a rendered background. Oh. So a lot of it was, like, you know looked massive but it was actually this teeny tiny little ship oh she was small right and then they actually they like they had to fly in like a bunch of gravel and asphalt and sand and all of this wild stuff to um make like a desert landscape that the actors could walk on so it looked like it had to match yeah so it was a lot of wild stuff um but i thought that was super cool uh he handled special effects photography for x-men in 2000 so that was neat that exists, okay. Right? I was Didn't like, know. all right. Uh, not too wild of a change. I mean, it's not sci-fi, but it's fantastical. So, you know, he seems to have a, a brand and good for him. Uh, the music was by Jerry Goldsmith. The name should sound familiar because he also did a lot of things. <laughs> uh, so he composed uh, five films within the Star Trek uh, universe. Three in Rambo. Like, they're in the Rambo franchise. Logan's Run, Planet of the Apes, Poltergeist, Gremlins, and The Mummy, A Feast for the Bies. Oh, there we go. There we go. That's why I was going to shout about it. I've never seen The Mummy. I know I'm wrong. We'll get there. I know. No, it's okay. Like, when you do see it, it's just going to be exciting. So it's okay. Maybe that should be one of our patron sign A feast for the boys. Yes. <laughs> okay, yes, that's definitely going to happen. Okay, so I have some more fun facts after this, but I want to get the budget out of the way. So the budget was $11 million. 
which they called a very small budget, which I guess for a really big sci-fi film, yeah. it is quite a small budget. Um, they were also rushed. Like, uh, who, who was it? Was it Paramount? No. I don't remember. Whoever, we'll look it up. I, you know, it says it when you watch it. Fox oh, or whatever. Shit. Yeah, I even made a thing in my notes. Like, right? wow, that's so old. <laughs> I know. Um, so whoever was distributing the film were like rushing them. They were like, come on, like get this out. Let's do this. Which was wild because they had such a small budget. So they were like, okay. <laughs> um, which makes me think they probably didn't have that much faith in the movie. 20th Century Fox. That was it. 20th Century Fox. So 20th Century Fox was like, can y'all hurry? Make this movie now, please. And with $11 million, they were like, I guess. Um, but guess how much it made? $50 million. $106.3 million. Okay, So well, close. You know, halfway there. Halfway. Okay. I'll accept this. It's not that bad. Um, and this is where we get the sweet redemption arc. He did not win Best Cinematography mm. for that award that I already forgot the name of. Yes. But Alien did win the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects. Oh, dope. Okay. Yeah. So it was killer. It was great. Um, now this is really fun. This is a fun little fact. For scenes showing the exterior of the Nostromo, mm-hmm. a 58-foot landing leg was made to give a sense of the ship size. Mm-hmm. But Ridley Scott didn't think it looked large enough, so he had his two young sons and the son of Derek Van Lint stand in front of the regular, stand in for the regular actors wearing smaller space suits. Oh my god. So they would look little. You don't this. And they did that again. In the scene where they walk into the broken down ship yeah, where they see that the dead alien. Yeah. That's little kids again. Oh my God. <laughs> and they almost passed out because the suits were so hot. How are the kids doing today? I need to know. I hope well. Um, <laughs> But like that was happening for all of the actors. The suits that they, the space suits they were wearing had no ventilation, no fans, and it was very hot. Yeah. So they were like passing out apparently so they had nurses on deck constantly to just check on them and they did the same thing for the kids and then eventually once they were like okay these kids are going to be in multiple scenes they put fans in the suits um, okay eventually but i just thought that was great that they were like hey you guys want to just real quick come here <laughs> let's get you a space suit let's bring your kid to work day come, come on. on bring your kid to work day and they were like you're gonna look at that dead alien and you're gonna like it <laughs> and you know what they probably did yeah <laughs> so those are all my notes on alien and i know it's give a summary yes. and all my summaries are sounding the same lately but <sighs> a woman and her cat and her cat defend themselves against aliens while the rest of the crew bites it yeah <laughs> and it's in space <laughs> and it's in space <laughs> i'm panicking again <laughs> it's like what can be a replacement for and then they die <laughs> sometimes i just want to get things across and mm-hmm. i just forget you know <laughs> excellent so those are my notes. Okay. I brought in two summaries because I felt like the Rotten Tomatoes one just kind of sucked. Really? Yeah. So Mutual. I'm going to tell you why I think it sucks okay, after I'm ready. I read it. So in deep space, the crew of the commercial starship Nostromo is awakened from their cryo sleep capsules halfway through their journey home to investigate a distress call from an alien vessel. The terror begins when the crew encounters a nest of eggs inside the alien ship. An organism from inside an egg leaps out and attaches itself to one of the crew, causing him to fall into a coma. It doesn't capture, like, that's the first little bit of the movie, but it doesn't say, and then more right. chaos is wrecked. Like, I'm just... <laughs> like, they just have to deal with that one thing in the beginning, yeah. and the movie's over, actually. He's in a coma, and then they talk to him for a while. They, that's like, it. have him wiggle his big toe, like... He's <laughs> 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 very Kill Bill. <laughs> and then IMDb uh, had a pithy, but much more all-encompassing okay. summary. 
So IMDb said, after a space merchant vessel receives an unknown transmission, whoop, unknown transmission as a distress call. So pithy. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you. <laughs> after a space merchant vessel receives an unknown transmission as a distress call. <laughs> Talking is so hard, though. <laughs> I get it. Interracial. Oh, no. That's how I laugh. I can't believe you just you made fun of my dribble. You made fun of my goose song. Nothing is sacred. <laughs> Mogan. <laughs> I'm just gonna <clears throat> one Mogan, please. <laughs> In deep space, the crew of the commercial starship Nostromo is awakened from their cryo sleep capsules halfway through their no, that's Rotten Tomatoes. Why would have you gotten to the distress call? This yet? whole thing is going at the end. <laughs> you got really far into it too, and I went, "This sounds familiar." <laughs> I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> oh fuck. Oh. <laughs> I'm doing great. <laughs> After a space merchant vessel receives an unknown transmission as a distress call, one of the crew is attacked by a mysterious life form, and they soon realize that its life cycle has merely begun. One oh, take! That's way better <laughs> yeah, than right? the other one. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because, like, well, it almost it sounds exactly the same. For a brief second, I did think you were reading Rotten Tomatoes again, and I was like, oh my god, no. <laughs> but then I was like, oh no. So it starts off the same, and then yeah. they... Yeah, at the end. because like its life cycle has merely begun. It's like yeah, okay, yeah, that yeah. brings up more than just what's his face's coma. They give us like the other one gave us like too much information and not enough at the yeah. same time. They were it, like, we're gonna make the whole beginning summed up and then give you nothing. It's like they watched the first thirty minutes and they were like, shit, we have a deadline. Go, go, go. It's like they learned how to do these from me. <laughs> That's not good. So yeah, those are the summaries that mm-hmm. I located, and one was better than the other, and was, was maybe worth the wait. Yeah, I liked the second one. That was great. Yeah. Oh, way better. Okay. You were looking at me for a second, and I was like, oh my god, do I have to give another summary? You have to do Nerd Corner now? <laughs> okay. Do your best Kate impression for Nerd Corner. Oh no. <laughs> I was trying to think of a word that you said wrong, and then I genuinely couldn't. Distress was so available to you. <laughs> this is my Kate impression, but nobody can nobody can hear it, because I'm doing the, the yep. pose. Yep. The hands that I do constantly during Nerd Corner because this I can't is a, still. This is a direct quote. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Roasted. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> no one else probably hears it. I'm probably the only one. Did we ta- did we talk about this the last time or no? I think this was an off recording thing that you told well, me. Folks. <laughs> Kate and I both have words that we say weird. Kate, <laughs> Kate says Jesus like Jesus. And I say grape. Like grape. Grape. I'm going to just grape. Someone tell me if I'm saying it weird. It just has a lot of spice to it, you know? Grape. <laughs> I think you're wrong. <clears throat> Jesus. God damn it. <laughs> so yeah, that that's, the, that's it. That's my good Kate impression. Jesus, and this is a direct quote. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> now wait, now you have to do me. Oh shit, hold on. I don't even know how to encapsulate this. 
um, there are teens in Texas, and they're really not having a good time, and there's a chainsaw, and they die. <laughs> That's not fair. You just directly <laughs> quoted me. <laughs> well, I do say this is a direct quote, so. That's true. <laughs> and they died. <laughs> All right, well, that was good. That was a nice little, <laughs> I know people enjoyed it. <laughs> okay. So, are we ready for actual nerd corner? Yes, hell okay, yeah. Okay, now we've got those good impressions out of the way. Well, <laughs> so before starting, like, writing nerd corner, mm-hmm. I remember I mimed out writing yeah, so yeah, that yeah. you would understand. I wasn't sure. Yeah, so. until I did it, yeah. So, I remembered an article that I'd come across, and it was talking about, like, space and horror. Mm-hmm. And what I thought would be, like, hashtag discourse was actually just one journalist being absolutely yes, roasted yes. on Twitter. Oh, my God, I remember this, and yes. I laughed so hard. She was uh-huh. like, um, is it really horror if it's in space? And everyone was like, yeah. Yeah. What do you, yeah. Yeah, it is. So uh, pour one out for L. Hunt of the Guardian, who said on Twitter, my argument, horror could not be said in space. Horror is predicated on fear of the other, the unfamiliar in the world as we know it. Space, we already don't know it. What? That doesn't make any sense. So we have to know it a little for it to Mm -hmm. be the unknown. Yeah. We have to, it has to fall outside of the known. And it can't be like we go into the unknown and then further unknowns happen in Elle's idea. We have to know. Go into something that we think we know and not know. Yeah. I don't agree with Elle, but I think that's a summary of their argument. I just confused myself. But in a fun (laughs) twist. So uh, that tweet really brought all the boys to the yard, so to speak. There's an article that just lists out some of the funnier responses. And my top three start with Roxanne Kay, Mm -hmm. uh, incredible author. And she just said, this is not an argument. Maybe next time. (laughs) And then uh, at Dan Wrighthead said, I also like to set up arbitrary genre restrictions. Rom-coms cannot feature bicycles. (laughs) And then John W. Williams was like, okay, hold up. Uh, I added the hold up. He said, oh, dear. Uh, (laughs) A horror movie isn't defined by location or time or characters. It can happen anywhere in any era to anyone. And the horror can come from anything. The supernatural, monsters, animals, people, science, nature, a character's mind, or something we don't know. Like space. Like space. Yeah. So like Roxanne Gay already waited and I have nothing more to add. <laughs> but uh, Alien so is a horror movie. And funny. come at me, Elle. I don't know. <laughs> I remember that now because yeah. I was so confused. They were just like, um, it's in space, not scary. And I was like, oh, are you sure? Because like space pretty fucking scary. It's pretty scary. The ocean's scary. I like space. Space is scary. Yeah, the ocean. Okay. Okay, I'm yo, the ocean is just as unexplored as space. Yeah. I just want to throw that I was out about there. To say that's, so, yeah. have you seen a whale? I have a fear of whales, just to be clear. <laughs> like, genuinely, I'm terrified of them. Save the whales. Don't ever hurt them, but just don't ever get them near me. Yeah. <laughs> you reacted the same way to whales as I do with scooping bees. <gasps> scooping bees. <laughs> Someday. I'm gonna make my dreams come true. <laughs> so now that we know that Alien is indeed a horror movie, uh, I wanted to know what was happening when Alien burst from the proverbial chest into the theaters. Oh, look at you, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we talked about how movies in the 80s are often so clearly influenced by the social tensions between like conservatism and mm-hmm. changing norms around sexuality. What about this little beast released in 1979? <laughs> One article I read opens up with the following. Mm-hmm. This is a direct quote. I nailed that that fucking impression. <laughs> yeah, <you did. laughs> when Alien debuted in 1979, the sexual revolution seemed like a done deal. It was released in a post-feminist, post-birth control pill, post-Stonewall universe, when a gender egalitarian future seemed not only possible, but likely. 
Director Ridley Scott's classic sci-fi horror mashup, which turns the wonders of the cosmos into a haunted house, is getting its 40th anniversary re-release this month. Yet Alien has become so ingrained in the pop culture firmament that we scarcely pause to reflect on how it reflects on the politics of the era. That's a shame, because Alien has never been more relevant than in 2019. Ooh. And we're going to get into that. Hell yeah. So that article then dives into like the sexual politics around mm-hmm. bodily autonomy that can be mapped onto Alien, and I'll get to that. But there is another reading that focuses on the economic pressures and motivations that land the crew of the Nostromo on that moon. Okay. So we have kind of two theories that move in tandem and then combine. So economic politics, sexual politics... And they're not mutually exclusive, obviously, because they intersect and interact in a ton of ways. Yeah. But I think it's helpful to engage with them separately first mm-hmm. and then kind of have them be friends. So let's dig in. <laughs> be friends. <laughs> it's like when Bong Juno made his Oscars kiss. Oh, my God. Oh, love him. Must be protected at all costs. I know. So let's dig into the sexual politics. Um, and I want to just have this note, like I'm choosing to say sexual politics instead of gender politics for a few reasons. First off, Ripley wasn't written as a female character. Um, all of the characters were gender neutral in the script, identified only by their last names until they were cast. Mm. Sigourney Weaver uh, came in very late in the game. This was her breakout role. Yeah, she had four minor acting mm-hmm. credits before doing this. And there's actually a trope that I didn't cover this time, so mm-hmm. I can spoil it now. But it's that the actors die in reverse order of their fame. <laughs> so, like, the most famous actor, John Hurt, is he like, dies first. first to die. Yeah. <laughs> so funny i didn't notice that yeah uh so sigourney weaver also points out in an interview like why she thinks ripley was such a great character in the first film Mm -hmm. because she was just naturally the hero of the story without writers tripping over gender norms right so in an interview sigourney said it makes it sound like we're friends sigourney weaver my good friend (laughs) said uh the writers were especially smart in that they didn't turn ripley into a female character she was just a character a kind of everyman a young person who's put in this extraordinary situation Believe me, when we did the sequels, I saw how hard it was to write a woman in a heroic, straight, unsentimental, authentic way. And it's like, ah, Mm. you noticed that, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess it's funny because I didn't even notice that until now. But yeah, she's kind of a hero just purely on coincidence a lot of times. Like, she just makes it this far because, like, of her being tough, for one, but also just luck. Like, she doesn't go out. She doesn't, yeah. And she's smart. Yeah. And she just, she's set up to be, like, (laughs) partially the antagonist of the crew because she's like no don't break quarantine and they're like those are our friends and she's like follow procedure and so you think that she's gonna kick it but she makes it so the typical constructions of like the binary way of saying like men do this women do that aren't exactly the focus for me but that doesn't mean there aren't like sexual politics at play yeah so it had been a while since i'd seen alien and i was talking to someone yesterday about how relevant alien could feel to people right now because of a contagion fear oh, yeah. <clears throat> but i was forgetting that alien isn't about a contagious alien parasite it's about an alien parasite that intentionally uses the bodies of victims to incubate its offspring so <sighs> yeah <clears throat> creeps me out so at this point it doesn't feel like a contagion movie it's one about bodily autonomy especially for people that can become pregnant right and in this context anyone can become an unwilling incubator (laughs) yeah but watching it as a person with the uterus it's really chilling to engage with the reproductive politics here especially in light of increasing restrictions and bans on abortion and going back to the article that i quoted earlier another direct quote uh scott almost certainly didn't intend for alien to become a polemic on the importance of reproductive rights but no movie has ever created a more viscerally terrifying picture of what it would feel like to be pregnant and unable to access an abortion 
The film is famously pornographic, and it probably won't blow your mind to hear that the chestburster sequence, in which an alien jams its fleshy tentacles down John Hurt's throat, only to have its offspring explode bloodily out of its belly later on, is a demonic vision of rape, pregnancy, and childbirth. Hot damn. Yeah. Uh, that quote goes on further, and yeah. it's just more, like, yeah, uh, graphic. <laughs> so I'm just going to skip it, because it can already be kind of, like, triggering to talk about things for people. Uh, but we can look at alien as an allegory for sexual assault and restrictions of or absolute removal of bodily autonomy. Right. But we can also look at it with a labor rights perspective. Yeah. So Parker and Brett, the engineers, want raises, and they bring up the issue of not being paid enough. When they're instructed to go off course and answer a potential distress signal, Parker says it's a commercial ship, not a rescue ship, and it's not in their job description. So he says, like, hey, if you want us to do more than our actual job, pay us for it. Fair. Yeah, fair. And then Ash, of fucking course, says, actually, there's a clause that says you have to, and if you don't, you won't get any money. So, yeah. Hmm. Boo, Ash. So even with this limited knowledge of their circumstances, we see material conditions restricting their choices. If they don't risk their lives, they won't get paid. Right. Then it gets even spicier. We find out that Ash is an android and has received Directive 937, which is my home area code. (laughs) The most important directive is to get the alien creature back to Earth for the company. When asked, what about the crew? They receive the answer, the crew is expendable. (gasps) The lives of six humans, one cat, and one android are less important than profit. So we have the villainous corporate greed, with the xenomorph being the mechanism of their destruction, but not necessarily the root cause of their death. Yeah. And now that we've engaged with the political threats separately, let's bring them together and talk about the devaluation of bodies under capitalism. Make them kiss. Make him get smooch. (laughs) (laughs) The short version is basically, under capitalism, the well-being of the workers is irrelevant and the workers themselves are disposable, entirely replaceable. And jobs with high turnover and low pay reflect this. Don't shake the boat. Don't complain. You can be fired and replaced, so you better shut up and accept abuse in inequitable conditions. Bodies are seen for the wealth they can create. This doesn't have to be in the reproductive sense, but it can be. Yeah. So I wrote a paper years ago. Uh, on like so-called reproductive tourism where people from high resource nations like the US and UK pay people in lower resource countries or people living in poverty to be their pregnancy surrogates through IVF in vitro fertilization there are a lot of problems with it (laughs) it would it it was like a 10-page paper so I can't get into all of it but I primarily researched the experiences of women in India And the, like, TLDR is privileged people use the bodies of oppressed people, and the oppressed people suffer further indignities, injustice, and violence. So while this is a very different situation and setting than Alien, there's a common undercurrent. Yeah. Economic inequality endangers the lives and well-being of people with less privilege in society. Mm -hmm. The majority of the crew of the Nostromo died because the corporation wanted more money. And the well-being and literal lives of their workers just weren't as important as profit. And Ridley Scott has said, like, my intention was not to create a feminist statement, but we can see that condemnation of corporate greed and dehumanization through capitalism. And this movie is over 40 years old, but it still feels painfully relevant. Unfortunately, yes. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. It all boils down to capitalism, doesn't it? Yep. It's just my parents like, Kate, will you stop talking? No, I won't stop talking about capitalism. not. (laughs) No, I will always talk about capitalism and how it's inherently, oh, now's maybe not the time. But yeah. So I thought it was really interesting to trace, like, you have this economic politics and mm-hmm. then the sexual politics, and they can also be read together and they yeah, can it's be interesting. read separately. So I thought it was kind of fun oh. to engage with it along both tracks and then see what they look like together. It's yeah. Friends. Yeah. So those are oh. some readings of Alien. Yeah. Um, it's also just, like, you know, when you're 
when I was reading articles, a lot of people really talked about, like, it's a haunted house, but in space. And yeah. they talked about, like, it's just a good, scary sci-fi movie, especially, like, after Star Wars was successful, people wanted more sci-fi, and right. this was the available sci-fi movie to them. So there didn't have to be, like, this message inherent right. in it, but it, I think there are a lot of readings of that. Yeah. It's like, well, it's kind of like Candyman, you know? Mm. Where we kind of had that accidental reading of everybody being like, oh, okay, it's like a critique. And he was mm-hmm. like, oh, no, 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 no. He's like, excuse me, no. <sighs> yeah, I think that the like whole corporate greed thing was intentional, but I don't think it was meant as like a scathing takedown of capitalism. Right, it, it was, was just, just like, like, a, like, look at this big corporation that happens. hates people. Oh, yeah. Fuck that corporation. Yeah. That android. I have thoughts and on android. him. Yeah. Yeah, he was infuriating. Uh, anytime that Ripley pointed out something valid, he was like, well, I mean, if you want to be ridiculous, I would just like walk away. so annoyed by this. I can't wait to talk about it. Okay. Well, that's society. We can talk hard right now. Oh, shit. Yeah. All right. That was oh, fuck wild. I, okay. So I love this movie. It's, it's so scary, <laughs> which we've, all the movies we've watched have been scary. But this one, for some reason, unsettles me so much. <laughs> um, so the opening with the spelling the letters of, like, aliens super slow. That fucked me up. That was really creepy. I loved it, and it, it was fucked so me up. cool. At first, I was just like, what the hell is that? And then slowly, they kept adding more. And I was like, what are you doing? I was like, is and this a guidance system? Is it a right? cursor on a screen? No, I, they're spelling out words. I couldn't figure it out. But, I mean, that kind of falls into what I loved about the movie, though, is that it's so busy on the mm. ship. With the lights and, like, everything about it was so busy and there's so much going on that it purposely makes you a little lost, like, right away. So when they were doing the letters, again, I was like, there's so much happening. I was like, what are you doing? What's going on? (laughs) It was, like, panning over. You you know that you find out you're in space because you Mm -hmm. see, like, the window and there's just so much happening. And then I was like, oh, it's a title. Um, So are these the aliens from From the the title? title? (laughs) <laughs> we'll do it every time. Um, so that was cool. It leads you in in a fun way. Um, I even said it sets a tone for the movie because it's sort of a, it's like a slow burn, but not in the fact in some other movies are like a slow burn where it takes a while to get started. But it's a slow burn in that it's kind of quiet and very calm and like, it's a cool environment. Yeah. But not a lot really happens right away. You're just like, oh man, look at this cool crew. They're all pals. And then shit goes south so fast. Yeah. What I loved so. about the opening sequence was that it showed how big that fucking ship oh, is. That and too. it told you there are only seven people on board. And to me it was wild because it was like, okay, well, you have the isolation of space mm-hmm. and then you have this giant fucking ship and yeah. only seven people on it. And it's just, it's so wild that there's just so much on the ship. And I, I assume it's on purpose to show us that, like there are so many rooms so many buttons so many things you have to do and there are seven people it blows my mind and then showing you how big it is like you said terrifying oh yeah oh i was terrified this is the shit okay i know we already talked about the special effects and how they're really cool and mm-hmm. they won that award and let me just say that if i had saw if i saw this movie as a kid 100 percent would have thought this was real oh my god <laughs> i think the special effects and i think using the models like i think it's amazing and it looks so good Little me would have been like, this is real and they're coming. Like, <laughs> There's literally one moment that I thought was cheesy and then everything else was fine. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I interrupted you. No, no, no. I'm excited to find out what the cheesy part is because it's probably one that I was like, that's real. I just 
fucking would have been terrified. Because this is also coming from the kid who thought Titanic was an inside job. I know (laughs) Titanic was an inside job. It was Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, I thought he died for real. Uh, (laughs) Wept and wept. (laughs) Was dressed as a clown, yes. So, you know, little me isn't the brightest. But still, the effects of this were so cool. I would have thought it was real. Do I think it's real now? Yes. Shut up. <laughs> Maybe a little. <laughs> um, I liked, so I did some voice to, um, you know, voice to text yes, notes. Yes, yes, yes. Some of it's coming through a little wonky. Oh. The subtly music. Well. <laughs> <laughs> With the sound of a vacuum. Thing in the background is scary. <laughs> so let's decipher that. Yeah. The subtlety of the music with the sound of the vacuumous space in the background is really scary. I there, think that's okay, what I was that, going for. Yeah, I like that. Poignant. There. Whew, got it. <laughs> but yeah, because they had like that really subtle kind of like music in the background, but you can hear the like in the of space and it's. I don't know. It's really unsettling. Do you want to hear something kind of weird about the music? Yeah. So there are apparently two versions of the score. Really? Uh, so the original one was, I don't remember, I need to find my source for this, mm-hmm. but basically the person that composed the score was like, okay, it's going to be very nautical at first, and then it's going to devolve into this very like mechanical, strange, yeah. unnerving, and then once Ripley's free, it's going to be like nautical again. Yeah. And Ridley Scott was like, throw it all in there, and just like totally threw in the cues wherever he fucking wanted. Oh my god. So apparently on one of the DVD releases, you can watch it with both scores, I That's think. so cool. Yeah. I need okay. to find my source on that. I only saw it one place, but I also wasn't I... looking for that information, so. Would very much like to hear both. Yeah. Because I love the score. I think it's wild, and it's just, I don't know. It feels like it wouldn't fit. Like, if you told me the plot of the movie and then you played me the music when without seeing them together, I'd be like, no, nah, I don't think that fits. But then, yeah, I don't know. It works. Um, also, this really freaks me out. Do you notice how long you go without even seeing a person? Yeah, it's like five minutes before yeah. anyone speaks. It is so spooky. Um, it just takes so long to even see them. And then it takes even longer for them to, like, sp- like speak. And I don't know why that's unsettling, but it is. Yeah. Um, I think, again, because it feels isolating. There's only seven. One of my favorite parts was seeing the computer readout reflecting on an empty helmet. Yeah. And it was just like, it's fucking bleak and I don't even know why yet. That freaked me out. I thought that was so cool. Um, They just did such a good job. And we talked about this before with, even though the movie was not great, uh, Annabelle we talked about how the set dressings were incredible because it felt like, you know, a home. Like, whoever was doing the set dressings paid attention to detail. And then we also talked about it with the whaling and the same thing. They did the same thing with this. But it's even harder, I feel like, because they had to make... They had to make it feel full of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it had to be stuff that, like, one, either didn't actually exist yet yeah. or at all. And it had to be things that, like would fit on a ship like whoever did it i applaud you because it felt real it felt nothing felt out of place everything felt like it deserved and belonged on the ship Mm -hmm. even though i have no idea what the fuck it was yeah i didn't know what the buttons did but if they weren't there i would have been like i don't know it would have felt like something was missing yeah the toy bird in the background is one of my favorite things because it's like in one of the tracking shots mm-hmm. early and then it comes back when Ash is attacking Ripley and it's like yeah. just these happy little birds in yes. the background. And it's just little things. There was just, I don't know, it was just tiny little things that if they hadn't been there, maybe I wouldn't have noticed, but it also just, 
whoever did it did an amazing job. Yeah. I don't know. Because it, it's one thing to make a home feel like a home when you know that and it's familiar to you. But to make something feel like a ship when it's not even something that really exists and you have to come up with it. it mm. Fuck wild. How do people do it, Kate? Ugh. All right. Okay. Also, I said, you can smoke in space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know it was the 70s, almost the 80s, but... That seems like a hazard, right? Seems dangerous. They were like, we're going to get into our pods, which looked very comfy, by the way. We're going to put on our beautiful spaceships. And also, I'm going to get a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> it just felt dangerous. <laughs> but that's fine. <laughs> do you? <laughs> um, I also, what do you think their fog budget was? <laughs> okay, so something that they did was they had, like, a low level of smoke at mm-hmm. all times to give it, like, this oh, gritty feel, even so though you couldn't cool. see the smoke in a lot of scenes. Right. It was just to, like, kind of obscure things slightly. Oh, yeah. And it, did their it. fog budget, I think that's where most of the 11 million went. I think 10 million was yeah. fog. Yeah. 1 million was everything else. Yeah. It was, that was everywhere. It was the people with the wigs, but with fog. They're like, ma'am, more fog juice. More fog now. <laughs> There's just one poor PA like, I'm just, we're out of fog juice. I'm sorry. And they were like, you start breathing heavy now. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was, it was so good. I loved it. Um, I especially thought the fog was effective and cool over the eggs yeah the, the only force thing, field type thing yeah the only thing i could think that was creating it was like using a projector and yeah. having like the layer of fog come in and then only seeing it when it's hitting the light of yeah. like that projector or lasers or whatever they were using i thought that was super cool it was dope um because it made the whole room seem foggy but then you can really see the layer above because of that light yeah and they used a lot of blue lighting yeah which i think is purposeful. I mean, to be like, blue is usually like cold, mm. supposed to be kind of, I don't know, icy in a way, mm. which is space. I yeah. mean, space is unfeeling, cold, and we don't know anything about it. So blue is a super cool color to choose. Cool color to oh. choose. I see what you did there. <sighs> Didn't even mean to. <laughs> it just comes naturally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I noticed that it was like consistent. And you get a lot of reds as well. But that, I mean... The blues seemed to be really consistent. They made a lot of silhouettes with it, mm. is what I'm trying to say. It's like that it was so heavy and backlit. It was so heavy and backlit for all the characters. that They had these like really intense blue silhouettes that just seemed so cool. And I don't know. It was awesome. neat. Yeah. That was the only color that I picked up on that was significant through the whole thing. Even though, I mean, obviously there's others, but... Like that one. Oh, and everything looked really sterile too, which yeah. is nice. But it was a weird mix too, because you have sterile looking walls, everything's white, everything has its place. But then you also have these seven people who clearly make their life there. Mm-hmm. And you get like the birds, you yeah. get their food, their plates, and it's it's like two worlds colliding. Yeah. Um, and that was neat. Again, that's the set dressing. They just did a fucking good job and paid attention. Also, if I found a ship that big on a planet, I would simply leave it alone and never speak of it again. <laughs> they saw it from the thing and they were like, well, we have to investigate. And I was like, you fucking do not. You do not. <laughs> if I saw anything that large, I would just, no, no. I'd be like, is our ship bigger? If our ship isn't bigger, I'm not going. <laughs> if our ship was still bigger, I'd say, I don't even like fucking with this thing. Like, <laughs> I don't want to fuck with that thing. Hell no. Get me home. I feel like there are whales everywhere. <laughs> oh my God. Maybe that's it. It was my fear of whales that was making me so uncomfortable. Yeah. It was so big. Oh, and now large. I know that it was just a bunch of children. <laughs> walking. 
Those ch- if I was that child, Daddy I would said be I'll get a cookie. Terrified. <laughs> they would have to give me a lot of lot of Dunkaroos to be mm. able to make that scene. Mm. Were they invented yet? Probably not. But find a way. I would have demanded pizza lunchables. Oh, I want a pizza lunchable so bad. Same. If I went to space, <laughs> well, okay, listen. You know how that one woman went to space and they gave her a hundred tampons because she was on her. Yeah. This would happen to me, but it would be pizza lunchables. They'd be like, yep. we've given you a hundred. Is this enough? And you'd say, no. And I'd go, absolutely not. A <laughs> hundred tampons in the master. Is that me enough? <laughs> Wasn't it only for like a week or some shit? It was a week. Oh my God. <laughs> I I just want behind the scenes footage of her like sticking them in her ears. <laughs> and just like just her throwing them like, at people. She probably was set for life. Yeah. Like, honestly, almost. Like, she could really good for her oh my god um i apparently wrote that i really liked the music again um (laughs) uh oh this isn't my scariest moment but it was in the running so i'm going to talk about it now because it fucked me up um so it was really slow like i said you know it takes a while to get to the part that's really scary everything's unsettling up until this point i would say with like the ship and everything and them walking and trying to figure everything out seeing the dead alien that's terrifying as well but what fucking got me is once he's back on the ship the guy who got attacked kane kane so once he's back on the ship and it's around his neck yeah and they go to be like well let's try to remove it and all they do is like pinch its leg or something and it tightens around his neck i was not having it i was like no thank you it really freaked me out. Yeah, the constriction of that was... And it was so uh, slow, too. It was like... It just... It was like, I know what you're trying to do. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. And it... I hated it. Yeah. It really unsettled me. And knowing that it was down his throat is also really unsettling. But just... Oh, God. I don't know. That part is really what set it into uh, absolute terror for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, a face hugger to me mm-hmm. is more alarming than the chest burster part. Yes. Like the I, face hugger is what scares me shitless. Yes, I have notes on the oh on my sweet little um chest burster. Okay, that's I need to tell you about. Are I you ready? Wait, yeah. Okay, so the chest burster comes in. He's like, "I'm here. I've made it, friends." And he's just kind of like, "You see this? The physique." And then he just mm. skateboards away. <laughs> he just like <laughs> see you, losers. Like he just scoots right across the table. It's so smooth. I need to find what I wrote about it because it was really funny. It really brought back me and my friend were watching The House on Haunted Hill or whatever. Yeah. And it was like, skateboard. Skateboard. <laughs> okay, so here's my note on that. I need it. Listen, I know it's terrifying, but when that little alien runs across the kitchen, it's so cute. He looks so darling. He's like, hey, come get me. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking right books it. Yeah. He's just, <laughs> does his little little screech and run literally he's just oh my god i swear i swear there's a picture somewhere with that little alien with like a little bowler hat i have to find it oh my god if it doesn't exist i've invented it just now and it's very good but i think it exists i need him on a skateboard oh oh we'll get it on a skateboard okay thank you he just looks truly like he's like i'm gonna skate away i don't need this anymore (laughs) see ya like (laughs) and i just He's a darling. He's a The face hugger terrified me. Yeah. When it wraps around his neck, Hate horrifying. It. That thing bursts out of the chest. I want one. <laughs> I want to. I want to hold it. I want to make it my own. <laughs> I haven't felt that maternal towards anything, <laughs> but that little baby <laughs> poked its head out of this man's chest, and I went, "Come to mother." <laughs> I've waited years for you, baby. 
<laughs> I just, I loved it. I, so listen, I was still scared, but yeah, that little alien. Oh boy. Was darling. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> um, and then we get just like a lot of, it's unsettling that they, they do like, when they get it off of him and everything and he eats and before it bursts out of his chest, that part creeps me out because he seems okay. Um, I was really rooting for him. I knew, obviously, he wasn't going to be okay, but somewhere deep in my brain, I thought, maybe it's different. <laughs> maybe this time is different. Yeah. You got cereal. Don't worry. He's fine. I was like, oh, he's really happy. He's enjoying his meal. But he wasn't. Ugh. But yeah, so th- that part was scary. Then we get the darling baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and the actually terrified crew members because uh, they yeah. did not tell them in advance what was going to happen because they wanted authentic reactions. Oh my god, I forgot. Yeah. Yes. And, ugh, I hate that shit. I, same with um, Sigourney Weaver. Like the first time that yeah. she sees the alien is the first time she actually sees it. Which, horrifying. Um, god. Where it's like they did that with Pennywise, but they also told the kids like, hey, we're not going to show you Pennywise until you're in a scene with him. Right. But it wasn't like, hey, we're going to surprise you and you don't know when it's going to be. Exactly. And also they knew at that point, like the movie, the book, they knew what was going to happen. They had read the script. It's Mm -hmm. not like they were like, oh, there's a clown? Yeah. (sighs) But having an event occur and you don't know what's going to happen... That's fucking scary. Did they know that he was going to, like, choke and, like... I don't know. I just know they that, like... They did. That's extra scary. They, Ugh. like, cut over to Lambert and she's screaming. It's because she was surprised and scared. And, yeah. No, listen. That is traumatizing. But now picture someone like me who just is uncomfortable when things like that happen. And they don't tell me, right? The alien bursts out. They cut to my face and I just go... <laughs> and I do nothing. <laughs> Small sigh. Just a little... Any ice water for the table? Anyone I, want ice water? Because, like, I'm not easily visibly scared. So I just imagine being in a scene. They're like, we're really going to get her. Very and I'm British like, about it. Oh. Huh? Whoa. <laughs> well. <laughs> ruined the movie. <laughs> oh, God. Um, but then we get, like, a lot of chasing, sort of. I mean, you get this is where you get to see the layout of the ship, which is really cool. Again, you get, like, a, a shot of it in the vents and stuff with the blue lights. And it's really dope. Um. One thing I did, he was, who was it that was crawling in the vents with the... Dallas. Dallas. So he's in the vents. I must have missed the part where he had the flame, like, gun. I thought he just had a torch. And Um... I was, for like five minutes, I'm watching this going, they're telling me that on this spaceship, with all this technology, they didn't have a flashlight. And he's just (laughs) crawling around with a torch. I was pissed. I was like, who... Did, and then I saw him shoot it. And I went, okay, everything's fine. I'm hmm? so sorry. I think I literally was taking my note mid-thing. And it was so funny because it was me. I hope he's carrying fire as a weapon. Okay, he was. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> I was speaking it as I watched him shoot the thing. <laughs> um, uh, there's a part where someone says, get to the shuttle. Do you know Who is it that's Lambert like, wants them to take the shuttle, but there's not enough for four people. Like the shuttle oh. can't take four. And okay. so Lambert's like, well, draw straws. And they're like, no, fuck you. For a brief moment when she says, let's get to the shuttle, I was like, yes, listen to Lambert. She's speaking the truth. And then I realized that there wasn't enough room. And I went, okay, everyone stop listening to Lambert. Lambert's kind of losing it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, now we get to the part that really terrified me. I have skipped a little. Uh, you know, we do eventually see the aliens. Very scary. Um, but we're getting to the part that scares me a lot. And so... I'm going to just talk about, well, should I save it? It's my biggest scare. We can do biggest scare now. Do you want to do biggest scare? Sure. Okay. 
Let me find mine. Because, like, I'm, I'm at the note, and I'm like, oh, I want to say it before I get too far. Say it. Um, Out loud. Say it. Android. <laughs> <laughs> um, this might be the part that you thought was cheesy, and it is my biggest fright. Uh, when he has the milk sweats, as I like to call them. Um, so there's, like, the brief moment where the android, his real name being, what was his name? Uh, Ash. Ash. When Ash has that subtle moment of the little weird milk droplet, which I know it's not actually milk, but I'm calling I it I called milk. it milk the whole time. Cool. So he's a weird little milk droplet. And at first, uh, you know, you're kind of like, okay, that's weird. This man loves milk. I don't know. Hmm. Um, but then when they hit him and he starts freaking out and running against the walls and he's making all these sounds and there's just milk spurting yeah. everywhere. That is my biggest Return scare. of the milk spurts. Oh, it freaked me the fuck out, especially when his head is hanging. Yeah. And his body is still running around. I don't know why. Because you have that amazing scene with the alien sneaking up on one of the characters who's looking for the cat. That should scare me. But it was the milk sweats, man. Yeah. Okay, so the part that I thought was cheesy was the skateboard. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, Good. the milk sweats <laughs> I found unnerving because of his just like brutality yes and his just like i mean he's an android so in this universe he doesn't have feelings right uh i personally love data very very much oh yeah but you know um but ash like decides that he's gonna go to a different room to brutalize her further and he just picks her up throws her and just kind of walks in leisurely after her yeah and then there are readings of like the rolled up which i didn't what was that supposed to do i'm like what are you Uh, doing supposed to suffocate her yeah, it wasn't a good idea. I was gonna say, I'm like, it's a tube of air. What he rolled it real just, fucking tight, he but did. people said it was supposed to stand in for like a phallic object. Oh, uh, okay. Which well, he doesn't he, have because he's an android in that Ken doll. So oh, I see. Yeah, because there is that moment where he goes to put it in her mouth, and she, you could tell her eyes were closed, and it kind of missed, and she has to like move her <laughs> mouth to catch it and be like, "Oopsie doos," and she's like, "Oh no." <laughs> And not like, the newspaper. Right. She's like, oh, the mouth. I was so surprised. Yeah. I'm like, I did watch you move your mouth to catch it, but that's fine. I won't dwell on it. Um, but yeah, I didn't understand, but I, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that part freaked me out. I didn't like it. And then it continues when his head is not connected to his body anymore and she's propping it up and she's like touching his head and his shoulder is twitching, but it's not connected to his head anymore. Freaked me the fuck out. And he's covered in that weird dry milk. Oh. Yeah. So that was something that I thought was very... Okay, so my notes, you know me, my <laughs> notes go back and forth between just, like, very ridiculous things to, like, something that I found poignant, and then mm-hmm. back to, like, eggs on a griddle next to tits, like, <laughs> I was actually in there, <laughs> but, because, uh, like, the porn all over the wall, Oh, one yeah, of the yeah. images was just eggs. Oh my god, you're right, it was? <laughs> and it was just, like, right up there next to the tits, and I was like, what is <laughs> happening here? But, uh, so, when Ash just, like, starts short-circuiting across the room, spinning yeah. milk, whatever, they decapitate him more or less. It's still like kind of there. It's nearly headless Nick style. Yes. And yeah, yeah, yeah. they like plop the head on a table Ugh. and they like stick it down, mm-hmm. whatever. And I thought it was interesting that even in an Android, the head is supposedly the important part. Right. Because it's like we as humans situate the head as the place of reason. But what if the hard drive was like in his toe or something? Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Oh, I don't. And it's weird because like I'm not. It's not like I have a fear of robots or anything, but specifically this guy. I think because he was so human and so condescending and mean. And usually when you think of androids, you think of someone who 
doesn't really have feelings or like data who's like sweet and doesn't understand feelings but this person this android understood them and was brutal and mean and yeah literally was literally sent to manipulate them and be cruel and the sarcasm of like i cannot lie to you about your chances but you have my sympathies yes you fucker he was he was a dick all the way to the end he never lost his have a dick was a dick right oh can't clock that dick Mm-mm. it's not there but yeah he was know. just brutal to the end and a horrible person yeah. even though he wasn't a person and it was just very unsettling but what, what was your biggest scare see it's really hard for me to do that because it's like we talked about the face hugger and how like uncomfortable that is yeah but then there's also like the cat scares always fucking got me whenever jonesy is like jumping out so I think it's when Ripley is trying to find Jonesy, and you think that maybe it's the alien, maybe it's Jones, right. and I think it's the cat. So, like, the cat scares always got me, but, God, I'm trying to think. Like, it was really hard to pinpoint a scare. I also felt, like, the tension of her trying to deactivate the oh, yeah. self-destruct sequence, and she misses it by seconds. Yeah. Because the self-destruct has a countdown timer of 10 minutes Mm -hmm. and then you have five minutes from when you activate it to reverse the self-destruct yeah and if you don't get it then you can't shut it down and right like to me that moment was scary because like you see her like not crack but you see this moment where she lets herself feel despair and then she's like okay well i gotta get my cat and go right and she has a few of those moments where it's like she has been so fucking strong the whole time and you see her like allow herself a minute to freak out, right? And then she's like, "Okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get my cat, and I'm gonna eat this alien out the airlock." Like I'm done, yeah, yeah. So I'd say that like her moment of like panic and just everything crashing down on her to oh, me was quite frightening. So upsetting, yeah. That's she did a great job. She did a really, really great job Incredible. of being a hero in a movie, but like a very realistic one because mm-hmm. like you said she has those moments where she has to break down yeah and we all have that and you just gotta keep going right after that but letting her have those moments because yep. sometimes i don't know sometimes in a movie they're too like calm cool and collected yeah and it's just not and i'm not saying this is realistic and well but sometimes it's like you want to see yourself in the hero in a story and yeah. making them human is a great way to do it yeah um honorable mention one mm. of the scariest moments for me too is when uh she opens the hatch in the escape pod that she's in and it's in there and it's like hand and the alien is in there freaks me out because yeah. it's such a small ship that she's she's on and i'm like where do you go yeah it wasn't moving either but just her not knowing if it would move if it was dead what yeah. was going on very scary and so that was like, an yeah honorable mention but yeah. the milk the milk spurts got me more it's a very upsetting scene yeah for sure. Um, so yeah, I, I got to that part in my notes and I was like, I want to talk about it now before I forget. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, um, when we do finally see, you know, the alien more, because you see it kind of just its face or just its mouth a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And I noticed every time you see it, I was like, this is the wettest alien I have ever seen. Very moist. <laughs> this alien was dripping and it was soggy. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Which made it even more gross and unsettling and you know it has a little baby mouth yeah it just slips right out of your grasp but now <laughs> can't catch me can't get <laughs> can you imagine if we all had just little baby mouths oh no i don't wanna I don't like <laughs> but yeah very wet alien um then i said the fog machine budget for this movie has to be buck wild yes 10 million as we decided as we decided 
Um, and the strobe lights. I love strobe lights mm-hmm. in movies as long as they are done well because sometimes it can be a little too much. Yeah. You know. Um, so big warning for that. You know, if you're sensitive to those yes. lights, just so you know, they do have strobe effects. Um, but it was really cool just because it fit too. It didn't feel out of place because you're on a ship with so many lights, so many buttons. Of course, you know, it makes sense that something would flicker if yeah. it's not working correctly. So it didn't feel out of place, but it still felt scary as hell. Yeah. And it was very blue too, still. So mm-hmm. you have that very cold space feel. Um, yeah. So I think that was the end of my notes. I think I have one more. This was it. Oh, Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Don't get me wrong. She's very attractive, but why does her underwear fit like that? Ugh. It has to be uncomfortable. It it's, made me so mad. It was halfway down her ass. Yeah. It was like the directors were like, this is how women dress, right? The panties <laughs> have to be very, very small. So small, they so almost fall off. small, they don't fit. Like, it was, yeah. They were too tight. They were all the way down her butt. And it was just so... And someone else was like, oh, well, you know, the male members of the crew are also in their underwear. And I was like, yeah, but they're like but Ken they dolled fit. in diapers. Like... <laughs> <laughs> and there's fit. Yeah. Was, it's like she accidentally grabbed underwear for a child. Yeah. It was not... It was so weird. And don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. No. She's very attractive. But <laughs> I just couldn't picture wearing that space suit. Yeah. Because, like, we've all been there sometimes. If you're wearing leggings or something mm-hmm. and, you know, your underwear slides down. Yep. No fucking way I'm leaving it like that. No. Fix it immediately. Yeah. It's an annoying feeling. So just picturing her doing all of these heroic things and knowing that her underwear was just halfway down her ass, I yeah. was just... It, it made really her, made me feel like this movie's unrealistic. It made it unrealistic. Yeah. And you know what? It made her just a thousand times more brave. <laughs> now yeah. that's a hero. <laughs> Continuing despite your underwear being too small. Maybe her underwear like fit at one point, but all that steam shrunk. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, she grew ten sizes that day. <laughs> like the Grinch. <laughs> but you know what? She probably couldn't have even fixed it if she wanted to because she was wearing a jumpsuit. Yeah. How do you get your hands in there? Don't. That don't. jumpsuit, like, I admired the shit out of that jumpsuit with the, jumpsuit, like, though. the, um, the cinched? Cinched, yeah, yeah. with the draw, the string in the back. Why yep. can't I? We're all struggling today. Yeah, mostly me, but yeah, thanks for that generous <laughs> reading of the situation. <laughs> I'm here for you. Uh, yeah, I just. That underwear part made me so mad. Yes, I agree. Um, other, other than that, I have, I don't really have too many qualms with it. I mean. Yeah, I. None that I picked up on, but again, when I'm taking notes and stuff, it can be hard to, unless it's glaringly obvious. <laughs> um, I didn't have too many. I, I just no. liked it. I really like this movie. Like, yeah. watching it just feels like a joy. Yeah. Um, it does. Yeah, I'm trying to think, like, I'm also watching Hemlock Grove right now. Uh, <laughs> and so I keep getting confused. I'm like, well, they did sit. No, that's Hemlock Grove. Uh, <laughs> very different show. Very different. This. Yeah. Um, I'm, like, going through my notes to see. And I don't have qualms listed. But I do have some really important notes oh, about please. the scenery on the uh, moon that they yes. land on. So this is the series of notes. I have three lines. <laughs> Okay, so it looks like chonky glitter swirling everywhere. Oh, no, I have four lines. Sorry. A sparkle storm. This is the first. Uh, A sparkle storm. Now my dream. It looks like chonky glitter swirling everywhere. Like a Joanne's got hit by a hurricane. The noise outside versus the solitude of the interior. (laughs) I mean, that is true, though. Yeah. 
That is unsettling. Yep. Can you imagine a glitter storm? You'd never be the same after. No. Everyone would know what you survived. Ah, the glitter storm uh, of 2010, I see. <laughs> you've been through it. Yep. I see. I too have glitter. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never truly be clean. No. Oh. Uh, um, love how Jones can't be bothered. Uh, Jones, the, Jones is the cat, right? Yeah. Cats not give a shit. No. I love that cat. Because there's a moment where the xenomorph is like leaning over and like yeah. trying to see if he can get it and Jones is like, hmm. Cat's like, oh, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> the cat is like me if I saw the chestburster scene. I'd be like, I, I'm, yeah. I'm done. <laughs> and then I just, I have so much admiration for the visual and the incredible acting of Sigourney Weaver. Mm-hmm. And so I just had to write just a competent woman in a jumpsuit with her flamethrower looking for her cat. And it, it was just, that's all I needed, you know? That's all you need, yeah. you know? Like, to make a great movie, boom. All, all the ingredients are there. Mm-hmm. And then they all, they all gather as they release Kane's body into the unforgiving vacuum of space. Oh, my God. They really just eat that corpse. Oh, my God. I wanted <laughs> to bring this up. They were, they were like, does anyone want to say anything? And no one says anything. And I was like, wow, we have to watch this poor thing float through. No, he's just gone. Okay. Yep. They're like, bloop. It was really like they just shot him they out of the pinball machine. Like <laughs> shot him at just so fast. Mm. They were, you know, no looking back. We're done. Yeah. I, a I laughed right so there. hard. I really was expecting <laughs> it to go slow. I kept watching it going, oh, wow, they're going to let him go. And we're all going to have to watch him drift slowly through space. Truly, you don't. No. <laughs> don't no. worry. They don't linger. Yeah. Uh, so that's just a summary of my notes. So, good yeah. Good fucking notes. Are you ready for tropes? Yeah, I am. Okay. Um, I got into this a little bit earlier, but not exactly. They're two different tropes. But yeah. the first one is bait and switch. Mm-hmm. And so it's that you think that Ripley is kind of like the antagonist. Yeah. And you think that like Dallas, who is a father to his men, will like break protocol to like save anyone. You think that maybe he will be, you know, the, the hero. hero. No, he kicks it pretty early. Pretty quick. Uh, and like it was also a huge god i have so many thoughts basically a lot of the movies at the time didn't have female heroines yeah you know, because right. women can't do things Ugh, uh no. like sci-fi at the time just did not have a lot of female protagonists right and then it's also like dallas was a better known actor and so mm-hmm. you anticipate that the person that literally is like listed ahead of other people i think the guy that played kane was listed ahead of sigourney weaver yeah, I think, Even though yeah. he was, like, the least amount of screen time as everyone. Uh, but uh, essentially, there are a lot of different ways in which you think that Sigourney is going to die quickly. And then right. she is the survivor. Uh, let's see. Okay. Oh, this is a direct quote from TVTropes.org. Okay. Uh, Dallas's cowboy attitude and disregard for rules when a crewman's life is in danger was also a common staple of sci-fi heroes at the time. Kirk would have handled things the exact same way Dallas does. Partner. Partner. <laughs> yep. Okay. This is a long one. Okay. But I'm excited. Oh, I'm, I'm okay, excited. Okay, so do you remember that time when I was like, this is how you play with a trope, and I read you all the different examples of the pane of glass? Yeah. This is going to be like that. Okay, I'm excited. Okay. So I mentioned it last week, and I talked about it when we first started talking about tropes, where it's like the Ur example, the mm-hmm. trope maker, the trope codifier. So like the trope maker is the first unambiguous use of the trope, the first intentional time right. a trope is used. The trope codifier is the one that sets the standard for future mm-hmm. uses of the trope. So, chestburster is the name of the trope, and oh. it may be the trope maker, but it's definitely the trope codifier and trope namer, obviously. Hell yeah. Yeah. And the basic trope of chestburster is a nasty parasite leaves the body in a nasty way. 
Yep. And there are a lot of different ways this can happen. So um, there are a lot of different, like when you have a movie open on tvtropes.org, it will have a lot of different like um, links at the top for yeah. different ways you can look at it. So one of them right. is like the laconic version. One of them is like the music interesting or like trivia notes or your mileage may vary or word of God, like a bunch of different shit. One of them is played with um, when you have like a certain trope open. So you pull up the trope and then you can see how it's played with. Right. Specifically like in the context of that trope. Yeah. And uh, so this is all directly from TV tropes. So if you play the chestburster straight, an alien erupts from their chest. It's Bob's chest in this case, but yeah. it's Kane, we know. Uh, if it's exaggerated, Bob explodes, leaving a brood of aliens squirming amid the gore. The escaping alien has a parasite inside it that shortly thereafter bursts out of it, and the parasite has parasite. <laughs> yeah. Okay. If it's downplayed... The alien slices a small hole in Bob's chest from the inside, then oozes out with minimal damage. Okay. Yeah. If it's justified, the alien was going to make a less messy orifice evacuation, but then something in Bob's body made it leave in a hurry, or the creature is too large to get out using a non-lethal route. Okay. If it's inverted, an alien burrows into Bob's chest to make its home. (laughs) There are also a lot of different ways, but it gets into a thing. Uh, or Bob is eaten whole by an alien and bursts out of the alien's chest. Those are options. Hell yeah. Uh, if it is subverted, oh, after no. having an alien embryo placed inside him, blob, blob. Oh, <laughs> blob. Good old blob. I love Bob. Bob clutches his chest and screams in agony, but he's having a heart attack. <laughs> uh, oh no. Double subverted, Bob's heart attack turns out to be the result of the alien living inside him. Burst. Uh, parodied, Bob's chest has a door inexplicably built in, and the alien parasite leaves in a just very civil manner. Out. And then the parasite suffers a chest burster. <laughs> <laughs> if it's enforced, we need to make our aliens more terrifying. Let's have them burst out of their victims. Oh my god. Uh, if it's lampshaded, mm-hmm. why do they always have to come out of the chest? <laughs> uh, let's see. If it's exploited... Bob will hug his arch nemesis to his chest after he's infected, knowing that the escaping creature will kill both him (gasps) and his enemy. Now that's dope. Yeah. Uh, If you defy the trope, anyone discovered to be harboring an alien parasite is promptly killed and burned. Oh. Yeah. Uh, It can be discussed. It can be conversed. Uh, If it's implied, how do they reproduce? Trust me, you do not want to know. Uh, and then there's also ways to deconstruct and reconstruct, but I thought that, like, the subversion, oh the lampshade, yeah. So, <laughs> the door is what killed me. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so I wanted to spend, like, special attention, or spend time to give special attention to the chestburster trope, because this is where it fucking came from. Yeah. Even if it wasn't the first time in a movie, it is the one that set the example for all, right. the, all the others. And I think yeah. that's pretty fucking cool. That is so cool. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that the last one? Yeah. Last trope? All right. Yeah. So now it's time to read the movie, yeah. right? Uh, I just wrote down, like, keywords as we went. Visual supervisor. <laughs> <laughs> Fog juice. Fog juice. Uh, sparkle storm. I like sparkle storm. And skateboard. Oh, okay. But it has the skateboard can't be on its own because there's not no. a single skateboard in this movie. It's implied that the xenomorph skateboards. My darling baby. Yeah. Um all I had I only had one and it was the milk sweats. Milk sweats. Because I can't resist, you know. Yeah. 
I literally milk almost sweats. put milk sweats in my list. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's so poignant. <laughs> it is. Um, bomb juice is good. Um, oh, tiny mouths. Tiny mouths. Chest burster is an obvious one. Yeah. Face hugger. Mm. Um, you know, boy, I really like fog juice. I'm, it's calling to me. Mm-hmm. I just because like man, this movie had a lot of a lot of stuff, but it had a lot of fog specifically. Yeah. So is it going to be like attorneys general fogs juice or fog juices? <laughs> <laughs> fog juices. <laughs> Because that one makes me the most angry. Yeah. <laughs> Blood juice. Okay. Ugh. Oh, okay. Are you ready? We yeah. hold them up? Yeah. Okay. One, two, three. Yeah! Hell yeah. Every time. Okay. That's a perfect We're ten. Like on the same Blood juices. Ten. Fog's juice. No! <laughs> Fog's juice. <laughs> ten fog juices total. Do you want to say why you gave it five fog yeah. juices? Yeah. Um... Well, the fog, for one. <laughs> uh, I mean, genuinely, though, I did love the fog. I thought yeah. they used it super well because um, it keeps you obscured without hiding behind scenery. Mm-hmm. So that's super cool. Lighting, obviously. Now I love lighting. Oh, I'm a sucker for good silhouettes. And the, what really got me was the stupid laser or projector that they put above the eggs. Yeah. I just love that. I thought that was so cool. Because I'm not, I don't know if that's how they did it, but that's what it felt like. As someone who worked in the projection booth and watching like light and dust like fall in front of the mm-hmm. light of the projector was always just cool. Mm. Brought me home for just a little bit. Um, and then specifically the set dressing. I think that's my favorite part. Mm-hmm. Set dressing and then the effects used with the miniatures on, um, you know, the uh, rendered backgrounds. That's just dope. I think that's so cool. They 100% deserve the Oscar they got for Mm. it. Not to mention, it's also just fucking terrifying. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said, this movie really freaks me out. I think I might just be really scared of space. Yeah. (laughs) Because movies in space, much like the ocean, really terrify me. Because they're both so unknown. So take that, whatever journalist fucking said they can't be. Hunt. They're terrifying. So space is scary. The milk sweats were scary. Yeah. I didn't like how human that android was. He really freaked me out because he was so cruel. Yeah. I think that's it. I just... Yeah. A lot, lot of stuff mixed together. The set yeah. dressing especially really stood out just because that's tough to do. And they did such a good job. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Yeah, so I'd say five fog juices because... Okay, starting off first, I had fog. That was great. I love right. fog. And I thought that, like, the way they used it, they used it humorously in that one scene where it's, like, the steam that Mm -hmm. Brett and Parker are, like, trying to get Ripley to leave because they hate Ripley. And she's, like, screaming (laughs) up and they're like, we can't hear you. That was so great. As soon as she leaves, they turn it off and just, like, stop the steam or whatever. (laughs) And so, like, they were rude as shit. That was the worst. funny as hell. So good. Uh, but then it's also like there it was justified use of fog and steam because yeah. like the reason that the self-destruct sequence can't be reversed after a certain time is because like the coolant system was turned off and so that's why there's a shit ton of steam. Right. And it had gotten to a critical point where you can't it's not fix like you it. can fix it. No, yeah. You just can't take all that back. Yeah. Um, and so I thought that like it wasn't just like, oh, it's spooky, huh? There's mist in this room. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was really justified and I liked it. Uh, and then I thought the dialogue, like, it just felt very natural. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I didn't get like super into, but a lot of folks have said that this movie is a classic because it brings in like blue collar astronauts. 
Yeah. Which is not something you get no, a lot of places. No, I, I noticed that too. Yeah. And so, like, Star Trek is very, like, sterile. Mm-hmm. And then if you have, like, Star Wars, you have to be born into the Force or whatever the fuck. Right. And um, for this, it was just, like, they're workers. They just happen to work in space. Right. And so that, to me made it feel so much more relatable and was really, like, interesting for analysis as well. Yeah. Um, I thought the scares were really effective, the way it builds tension over time. I loved the slow pans because even though I'm a very impatient person, I was like, I see what you're doing and I like the it. slow pans are great. Uh, I love the way they use dissonance of, like, the happy scene of them eating and stuff and then the chest burster. Like, I just, I really love this movie. I've seen it, like, five times and I enjoy it every time. This is only my second time seeing it, and yeah. I agreed. I still enjoyed it. Yeah. It was a blast. And, like, I had so many notes, and I was afraid that uh, if I pulled in too many of them, we would never stop talking. But I just think that they're, like, this is not the analysis that was intended, but the, like, human and technology divide and relationship is fascinating, mm-hmm. especially the ship is called, like, the ship AI is called Mother, and oh, when they're yeah. detaching from the ship, they say, okay, we're clear of the umbilicus. And I was like, okay, well, Ugh. literally an umbilical cord. And then when Mother tells Ripley, like, basically, fuck off, get off the ship. Right. Ripley's like, you bitch, you bitch. And I was like, okay, well, that's an epithet. Like, that's very interestingly gendered. Yeah. And so I think that there's also a lot to look at between, like, their inherent distrust of androids. And is it because they automatically know in their culture or whatever that an android is only in use by the corporation to spy? Right. Or is it, like, they don't trust androids and it's, like, a societal tension? So I was really interested in... I don't even think it's, like, a commentary on technology, more of, like, an inquiry or an exploration of it. So there's just so much here. And... we, there's no way we could get to all of it. No. And so that's why I just keep watching it because I notice new things each time. Yeah. It's it's just cool. It just keeps my attention too, which can be hard when you have, you know, a lot of ADHD. So mm-hmm. I, whenever a movie does, I'm always like, oh, applaud you. Good job. Yeah. It's so good. It just, I, that's why I didn't even have that many notes because I just kept watching and being like, oh shit. Yeah. Like I have to. <laughs> yeah. I just really liked it. I love, you know. It was just so scary, and I love any movie that where the effects are just gorgeous. Mm. I, like I said, as a child, if I had seen this, I'd genuinely been like, they're in space. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> they did such a good job. The miniatures looked incredible. Yeah. Something that I also really liked, which I feel like is undone by the sequels and prequels, mm-hmm. but in this movie alone, you don't get all the answers, and I think that that's great, yeah. because you don't know that, like, the... Um, derelict is what they call it the like right. ship on the moon yeah um the pilot is called a space jockey like it's apparently oh. like a race of whatever and yeah the but they're visualized differently in like every mm-hmm. iteration and like whatever it's a lot i went down a rabbit hole but um like there were a lot of different interpretations for why the ship was there yeah. if the eggs were part of like a hold in the ship or if it was burrowed through the ship underneath what was underneath Underneath what was underneath, lol. Um, And then there was also, like, differing ideas on, like, oh, it would be a temple. Oh, it would be a pyramid. Oh, we ran out of time. We don't have money for it. Oh, what if it was, like, an egg bomb where, like, the intent of the ship was to drop the eggs on unsuspecting planets to seed them. So, like, there were so so many, like, iterations and things that got pulled. Uh, There's just a lot in the Alien universe. And what I really love about just Alien on its own is that it doesn't give you all the answers. Yeah. And you just 
you just don't know. And you don't know why they're there. You don't need to know. Mm -hmm. And I think it's better that you don't have this, like, exposition through Mother saying, like, oh, I see that, like, five millennia ago the derelict landed. Yeah, I don't think I would want to know. I think it would take away. I like that it's, I don't, it's weird the way they react to the aliens, too. Mm. It's not even that much surprise. It's more just like, oh, they seem so inconvenienced when it, when he gets the face hugger on yeah. his face. It's not even, oh my god, I can't believe there are yeah. aliens. It's literally just, oh, oh, here we go. Yeah. And it's just so weird, and I just, oh, it's unsettling. I love it. I love how much there is. I can't wait to watch it a bunch more yeah. times, because I know I will, because I like it so much. Yeah. And you know what? I love that the cat makes it. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been so easy. To kill the cat, and they don't, and yeah. I applaud them for that. And that was another... It's such a little thing, but I love it. That was another thing that people brought up as, like, another reason this is, like, a very influential film. The Save the Cat type mm-hmm. event is given to a lot more people after this movie because it's, like, one thing that the hero does that makes them so endearing and so real to you, and it's that she won't leave the fucking cat. I wouldn't. <laughs> no. That... Goose, they all goose came over. She oh, knew. she knew. She was like, y'all talking about cats? Y'all talking about shit? Listen... The cat in the movie looks so much like my cat if my yes. cat wasn't absolutely huge. Yes. So can you imagine me so on this no. shit? Just padding along with her giant belly, just, just like, hey away. guys, what's up? <laughs> the alien could never eat her. It no. could never. It that could little never. mouth? No. Never. Never. It would Miso get one would bite in safe. and she'd be like, no, you fucking did not. She'd just bop, 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 bop. <laughs> Give him the good bop. Noodle? Maybe. He's a little wimp, but yeah. Miso? Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Uh, so yeah. yeah, yeah, perfect ten fog juices. Yeah. I, I really like this movie. As soon as I finished, I went, well, that's a five. I knew yeah. right away. <laughs> yeah, and then hearing the analysis, it's so cool, especially that you got two different analysis, and then they can literally be mixed together. Yeah, and that's wild to me. And it didn't even seem like forced or anything. It genuinely fits and makes sense. Wild, yay! So Hell does yeah. that wrap up our discussion of Alien? I think so. Okay. Well, if you enjoyed your time with us, we would greatly appreciate it if you'd rate and review on Apple Podcasts. That's the best way to help other people find our show, and also it's just really cool to see what people think yeah. uh, and see nice things. So you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Just cool with It. Every Wednesday we'll post where the movie is and what the movie is. Yeah. Uh, usually where yeah. it is. If always remember, what it is. Sometimes we'll where it is. We'll always post what it is. <laughs> where it can be found? Well, we forget sometimes. Yep. But By we, we mean Kate. <laughs> and me. I often forget. You almost always remember to <laughs> but, remind me. Yeah. Hopefully uh, we choose ones that are streaming too. Yeah. It doesn't always happen, but. Yeah. Uh, you can also check out our extended show notes on the website, justgoalwithitpod.com. They're good notes, y'all. Thanks. Seriously. Kate takes wild notes. And also any memes that we talk about, we pop in that. I put them right at the top. Yeah. Yeah. We'll try and, f- I know there's a meme with that alien wearing a hat. Oh, for sure. I know. Oh, I'll figure it out. Okay. I'm excited. It. Uh, you could also take a look at our Patreon at patreon.com slash Uh So we mentioned earlier the Simul Watch. We might do the mummy, perhaps, yes. for that. So that's at our $5? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. And also we do have another tier where we get to play horror games. Yeah. And Kate is currently playing Until Dawn for the first oh time. God. And y'all, I have never seen anybody scream so much playing a game. It yeah. is the funniest thing. Join the Patreon. Oh, Tune God. in. It's a treat. My throat was sore. I, I literally screamed with my full throat. Oh, my God. It was great. That was alarming. So, anyway, that. some of our patrons got to see that. And we would love to take this opportunity to thank all of the patrons. Yes. So we have Kim, Kelly, Meher, Will, Rachel, Kelsey, Sula, Tim, Beth, Kayla, and Meg. Woo! Yay! 
Love the them. intro and outro music was created by Anthony Racazella, and the cover is by our very own Nikki Solomon. <gasps> I love her. <laughs> she's great. <laughs> she's, oh, she's great. Uh, what's a good alien thing we can do? Skateboard. Because <laughs> <laughs> all aliens do skateboard. Yes. Listen, tiny mouths, milk sweats, fog juice. <laughs> skateboard away. Star Galactica. <laughs> Let's skateboard away like my sweet darling child. <laughs> Just see ya. <laughs> What's the sound of a skateboard? <laughs> I miss him. He's <laughs> on Photography, not photography, but. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Nope. <laughs> <laughs>